Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. A big part of the Boundless Pursuit podcast is hearing the stories of anglers pursuing their dreams, dream destinations, and dream species. And I get so motivated by the guys that we've had on here, many who have done some incredible things, and many that have a very real ambition to do big things in the future. Today's guest, though, has got a life experience that is hard to imagine. Larry Walker is in his late 70s, but this dude has got a level of grind to him that is astonishing. And don't let his old age fool you. Larry pushes a pace that most people a third of his age couldn't keep up with. He's fished in over 50 countries and virtually every rainforest on the planet. Global expeditions from the oceans to the jungles to the mountains and every place you can possibly imagine. And his exploits as an angler are leaps and bounds beyond anything anybody else has done that I've had on here so far. And while the fish that he has caught will absolutely blow your mind, it's the story of how he got there that's really so amazing. And the guy's path to the financial freedom that it takes to even make these kind of expeditions a reality is just completely insane. And it's one that started in a tiny local tackle shack that literally had dirt floors selling minnows and the walker family business is like a peanut that turned into an empire where the wholesome sale of shiners on those dirt floors evolved into massive operations of marinas and lodges and larry is just that stereotypical texan a stubborn bull who won't take no for an answer which is probably why he's managed to push his business to be as big as it is his story is just so incredible it's the embodiment of the american dream building generational wealth and future from the humblest beginnings that you can imagine. The kind of story that should really be captured in a book, and it is. I recently read Larry's book, Minnows to Marlin, and it's a title that creatively captures the journey of the Walker family's minnow-selling business, all the way to Larry's conquest of Marlin, and much, much more. Every single chapter details a journey as an angler who is relentless in the pursuit of the next bite, the next target species. I'm glad I was able to catch the guy between trips. He seems like he's always on the move to the next country, the next adventure. And I am honored to have had Larry come onto this program to tell his story firsthand. But I do encourage any adventure-loving angler to pick up a copy of this book. I personally read it on my recent flights to Idaho when I was chasing the white sturgeon just to get the adventure juices flowing. You can find this book on Amazon. You've got to pick it up. It's an amazing, amazing book and an incredible story that I don't think anybody can compare to. Guys, you are going to love this story. Remarkable life journey, incredible growth as an angler, and just an awesome, awesome dude. This is Larry Walker. 
Did you hear that? I did. All right. So, Larry Walker, I, I got to take you and I can get you. Um, but I really appreciate you coming on here. I, I felt like I, was, I only had narrow windows, it seems, with you between trips because you're like in Argentina one day. The next time I get on Facebook, you're in, you know, I don't know where, Texas, you're back home. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, geez, I don't know when I'm going to work this guy in, but. But okay. man, I, I appreciate you coming on. I guess uh, I don't know where to start. Well, so how about how about this most recent trip? I mean, I, I was just on your page and saw these giant bass you were catching. Well, I got so lucky. I got a phone call from a good friend of mine named Josh Jones, who is absolutely a phenom. He's guiding on a lake called OHIV in West Texas, and um, they're doing live scoping. It is absolutely revolutionary and what they are doing is makes old school throw it out the window old school out the window it's uh, it's unbelievable and i'm i'm so lucky that i get to fish with some of these guys because he's he's just an absolute genius it's it's so different it's really different yeah that stuff's fascinating that's one of those funny topics where it's like every time new technology comes out there's like you know, there's the people that say, oh, you know, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be doing this. But it's like, it's almost like you're you're denying the inevitable to take that position because, you. I mean, a few years back, people were saying the same thing about a generic, you know, side imaging scanning was the same way. And then before that, you know, any type of sonar, but it's just, I mean, it, time marches on and this this new technology blows my mind. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I haven't, I haven't been fortunate enough to use it, but that is some amazing stuff. And now you're seeing all these crazy 16, 17-pound bass. Records are falling left and right, especially at OH Ivy. That's like, that's like ground zero for all this stuff right it's now. It's ground zero, and, and I, I have a good analogy for it if you want me to give it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have all because you have thirty five hundred or four thousand dollars to buy a live scope or a forward facing sonar. That's nothing. That's the that's just part of the game. If you do not know how to utilize it, it's just another depth finder. It, but these guys, especially the young guys, I'm going to admit, they've got it down. It is a science what they're doing. And David, it's amazing what we did yesterday. It's amazing. We caught fish, black bass. The water temperature was 58.7. We caught fish on the nest spawning in 15 to 17 foot of water. Oh, geez. You can't see 15 or 17 foot of water. Right. But with this new technology and the way they, they have, they have absolutely uh, got it down to a T is they were seeing fish that are not moving. You see two fish in 17, because there's a lot of brush. The Texas lakes, we got a lot of brush. And they're seeing these fish, and they know that they're spawning. And it's exactly like fishing in shallow water when they're spawning, but we're watching it on television. I call that (laughs) green television. It's amazing technology. And like I say, these guys that know how to use it, I, I have one, of course, on my boat. I know how to use it, but I'm not in the same atmosphere as these guys. I mean, these, these Josh Jones and a guy named Kyle Hall, among others, have perfected it. And I'm so blessed that I get to go with these guys. Yeah. And um, 
I don't know. I've had, uh, we sold our family business, uh, our marina, and uh, the marina uh, in between Dallas and Fort Worth called Lynn Creek Marina. We had it for 31 years. And before okay. that, we were in the sporting good business and boat and motor business. And anything to do with water, I've had something to do with. I mean, I've sold bait, we've made rods, I've been an outfitter, I've been commercial fishing, uh, rented boats, sold boats, anything to do with water. I pretty much had my hand in it one time or the other. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm not, I won't, I'll be the first to admit, like, I am a total novice and a complete idiot when it comes to a lot of those electronic, even the most basic electronics. And I don't do a great deal of bass fishing. I'm like a shallow water angler. It's like once I get into deep water, I have no clue what I'm doing. But uh, I'll get on the boat with my buddies who do, and and they'll be like, "You see that little mark right there next to that fuzzy red stuff? Yeah, like that's a, you know, that's a fish sitting on such and such." I'm like, "I don't know what you're looking at. I'm looking at hieroglyphics here." How do you know that's a fish? But uh, it's a totally different skill set. And it's just funny the different kind of skills different anglers have. But reading sonar and reading maps and reading things like that, that's a that's a skill I don't possess, but it's definitely one that I admire. But, um, you know, when you see the si this um, uh, live image stuff, it's like it's you have to be impressed with what the market has driven technology wise. And then, you know, you can, you can get the people that sit back and get angry about it. But at some point you got to ask yourself, like how archaic do I really want to sit here and be? Well, that's true. Now, you know, everybody's got a different deal. And especially when it comes to the forward facing sonar, like I say, I've been in this game a long time. It's come a long ways from the little green box that Lawrence put out back in the sixties or whatever yeah. that was. <laughs> Everything's gone. Everything's got better. But for some reason, this has really got to hire a lot of people. Uh, Josh Jones, in for, for, for in particular, he's very sensitive. He got a lot of haters. There's a lot of haters that don't like it. Um, and some of them don't have it, but they, there's some reason that they're really against it. And, and I say, you better get on the, on the plane or you're going to, you're going to be left at the airport. But we not only use it in black bass, I've used it on musky fishing. I had the honor of fishing last year with another phenom named Nolan Spangler in uh, Minnesota. Okay. We went to Lisa Lake. I have never caught a muskie, never saw a muskie. All I've ever heard is the old term, the fish of a thousand cats. Yeah. So I went up with him. I jumped in the boat. We caught, I caught. 22 muskies in two days. Oh my gosh. That's a home I run. I had one that was 52 and a half inches long. Um, I had never seen one. Yeah. It's all about forward facing electronics. And, um, I just had a great time. And of course these guys, they're so he, there's another secret guy. He doesn't want to take any pictures of his electronics when we're fishing. <laughs> and I don't blame them, you know, and then we go, now I'm going, I'm leaving Sunday to go back to Idaho where I went last, I went twice last year. I caught an 8.53 ounce smallmouth bass plus some other seven pounders, which is people fish all their life and never catch a six pound smallmouth bass. Oh yeah. And, and, um, and the guy I'm fishing with, he's another phenom. He's, he's another live scoper. And then I was down in your part of the world 
I went out fishing for Goliath Grouper with okay. a guy, Eric Line, and he used the live scope there. I mean, we watched them. You watch them take your bait. Yeah. It's it's uh, like I say, we can go on and on about live scope, but it uh, it's I'm really for it. And of course the the blowback on it, like we're saying in Nolan, is banned from fishing muskie tournaments in, in uh, Minnesota. They will not let live scope in the tournament. Mm. And I go back to a, a, an old saying that I just heard from Jimmy Houston. I'm very, I'm kind of bragging because he, he and I are very good friends. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, I really like him. He, if you knew him, he, he's a first class guy and he laughs all the time on camera yeah. or off camera. He well, laughs. I, I'm like a lot of people where I grew up watching his shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can't be in fishing and have not grown up watching some of those he's guys. Been on, he's been on TV. This is his 44th year oh, yeah. on TV. So, and we we were talking about something else. We were talking about the A rig. You know what the A rig is? The Alabama rig. Oh yeah, and I remember the, they banned that thing too. With all the that, little. That's what we were talking about because he he's really into the guys that bass and all the big shots and. And he went up to the tournament director after they banned it for a tournament. He said, why did you, why did you banned it for? Why? He said, the catch is too many fish. Too many fish. Yeah. <laughs> and Jimmy said, isn't that what we're trying to do? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he's, uh, yeah, he's on board. You know, he's trying to say it with the time that you get left behind. Yeah. You know, everybody, you know, the difference is, is on the live scope and not having a live scope. Just think about putting your hand over your eyes and fishing or yeah. opening your eyes up and seeing what you're throwing. It's, it's really a, a really big deal. Like I say, I still like the other type of, I'll, I'll fish in a muddy hole. It, it doesn't make any difference. I'm going to go fishing. But if I, if I have a way to catch fish in a different technique, I'm all sure. for it. Well, that's the funny thing about it. No one's making anybody use it. Like, there's no sense in getting upset. Right. At what, at what, right. and it, there's no sense getting upset at what somebody else is doing. Okay, well, are you doing it? So no, you you never want to sit back and watch somebody else and, like, I don't know, get mad at their success or yes. what, what they're deriving happiness from. But it's funny you mentioned Idaho. Uh, ironically, I'll be in Idaho next week myself, but... But um, I'm going out there for the for the sturgeon. I'm not doing the smallmouth thing, although I'd like well, I to. Did the, I did the sturgeon in Idaho, and I didn't do well. I went on the Salmon River, mm -hmm. and I fished uh, a half a day. I got kind of a bad charter, but I went up to Oregon. Yeah. And, man, we knocked them out. Yeah. David, we knocked them out. I caught a 10-and-a-half-footer, and it was really – the fishing was – easy it wasn't really a hard trip like i thought it was mm -hmm. going to be and of course the the charter ca uh, captain we had really knew, we didn't use lasco but i caught my big one the 10 and a half foot sturgeon i caught it on a seven pound salmon yeah <laughs> that's, what, that's what we i didn't know they you know they they're not really a meat eater per se and they're a bottom feeder but uh i don't know we caught i bet you we caught 25 and yeah yeah, I've got a buddy out there that catches them out of kayaks, um, and he's oh, wow. really, he's really, in fact, I have to, on the sidebar conversation, send you some of his video. He he had a vi uh, video go viral a couple years ago where he was filming a guy that was fighting one in front of him, and it this, I mean, it's eight foot long, and it jumps beside his kayak. Like, I mean, that, that thing can kill you. 
Um, but yeah, he catches them from kayak. His name's Steve Carroll. And, um, you know, they don't grow them as big in Idaho, but I just thought like that angle, like he'll catch them from the bank. He'll catch them from a kayak. I'm like, that's. It's that's so some... beautiful up there. It's worth yeah. a trip just being on the river. I caught, I caught a lot of smallmouth bass waiting for a bass, I mean, mm -hmm. waiting for a sturgeon bite when I was on the yeah. salmon river. It's just gorgeous. Though. They're a beautiful part of the world. It just seems so weird because, you know, they'll go out there and catch a rainbow trout, a, a rainbow trout that would be photo worthy by any, you know, person's normal standards mm -hmm. <laughs> and then chop its head off and stick a hook through it and cast it back out there. It's kind of a it's kind of a funny, uh, a, a, fun, <laughs> a funny thing there. But um, we're talking about rainbow trout. I've never been a trout. A trout's never been high on my mm -hmm. my agenda. To be honest with, you. I've never cared too much about them. But I got, I went to Jurassic Lake in Argentina. Yeah, I saw that. That's on my little list of things oh, to ask about. <laughs> David, David, man, this is not a fishing trip. This is a catching trip. Yeah, <laughs> and I would say ninety nine percent of the fish. I've I've been twice, and I've signed up again to go and this September, the 99 of them are bigger than any trout that most people ever catch in their whole life. Yeah. My, the fish I caught, David, weighed average 10 pounds a piece rainbow trout. Unreal. The last trip I caught, I caught a 23-pound, four-ounce rainbow trout. The trip before that, I caught one that weighed 20.89. Jeez. Those are big trout. Those are really big. Well, trout. it was the it was the king salmon I saw you catching out there that what really caught my eyes. Well, oh, I had never my been, goodness! I, I've been up to Alaska one time, and I'll be honest, I didn't have a very good trip. But I went on this king salmon trip uh, with a couple of guys that have been like twenty times to Alaska. I caught a fifty-three pound, seven ounce king salmon, which is gigantic. Yeah. And they kept them bigger. I'm going bigger, back yeah. next year at a different time. You know, those fish are migrating and they only, they're only in the river for a certain amount of time. And, uh, we're trying to get the right timing. So it was a beautiful tree, you know, fishing, fishing in a glacier lake and a glacier river with icebergs. And then you, when was the last time you cup your hand in a stream and drank the water? Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do that down here in South Florida. No, no, but Start growing an extra did. leg out of my head or something. Right. And uh <laughs> but we were drinking water out of the out of the stream and it was the you know, everything was just so beautiful and no no human intervention there. Mm. And uh, I'm, a small thing is the guides there, the tag end of the lines. You know, when you tie a knot, you got three or four inches extra and you cut it off. I thought this was very admirable. They they cut that line off the two to three inches and put the line in their pocket instead of throwing it down. You know, that yeah, seems so yeah. insignificant, but it meant a lot to me that those people really cared about the environment that much. So right. it was well, good enough. You you know, like little things like that, I think, give the impression of the kind of hands you're in, too, because if your guide is that invested in taking care of the resource, then you know yes. he's going to be a thousand times more invested in making sure that you enjoy your experience. So little little things like that I pick up on, too. Yeah, what, what actually makes it really, for me, so different is I know I don't look it. 
but I'm 77 years old. <laughs> and I've been doing this a long time. When I was growing up, we did not know the difference in conservation. We weren't trying to do anything wrong, but we, you know, in Texas in the seventies, the bath limit was 15 per person per day. Yeah. And we, I got a picture that was in the Dallas morning news that I had 45 fish on a stringer on my <laughs> back. Back in the day, there was three of us fishing. I had 45 black bass. And now you're lucky to catch five. The limit's five, and you're lucky to get five someday. Right, yeah. There's a lot of pressure and a lot of different things that have changed the dynamics of it. But. Well, I think I only started following your stuff ah, maybe within the last two years I stumbled across your page. And obviously, it's like, you know, you've got so many showstopper photos and fish. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, and then I just went down the whole rabbit hole of, scrolling and looking at everywhere you've been and everything you've done. But I'm curious, like, like, was it always, was the traveling side of it always, I mean, were you always that way with like the intrepidation or did these real international trips, is that more of a recent thing or has this been no, like a lifelong actually, deal? Actually it all, you know, we, I live in Texas. And so we would, uh, we would travel down to Mexico and do the bass lakes in Mexico. And I'd go to Acapulco drinking and fishing back in the sixties <laughs> and seventies. And, uh, of course in my book, I described every mm -hmm. bit of it for minute to Marlin, but what happened, you know, I had a tackle store. We had a tackle store that we had for 46 years. And I stood behind the counter and talked about fishing and hunting all day long. And one day a tackle salesman came in to sold Bill Norman, crankbait out of the back of his car. I don't know yeah. where he got them, but we, yeah. <laughs> but we bought them. They were a little cheaper buying them from him. And he asked me, he said, Larry, he knew I was crazy about fishing. He said, you want to go to Honduras black bass fishing? And the first thing I said was, where's Honduras? I don't even know. Where yeah. yeah. I knew it was in Central America and I, I never knew they had a black bass population. Mm -hmm. So that really, really lit the lit the fuse there. I got I got twenty four of my friends together, and we're all redneck Texans. They all bass fish, <laughs> and I don't know if you remember the Garcia five thousand reels, the 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 old bait casting reel that that's nearly everybody started out with. Now this is part we of like Abu Garcia. Yeah, Abu Garcia, oh. five thousand, and then they upgraded to the fifty-five hundred that had ball bearings in it. Yeah, but we used to use pistol grip rods, and uh, I didn't, but a lot of people did. I I had always been a two-piece, I mean, a two-handed rod guy. So we got twenty-four of us, and we went to Honduras, the Lake Yahoa. This really changed my life. I had one deal that. If you ever had anything change your life, this was one thing that really changed my life. Yeah. We went down there and I had 24 guys and we, it was a four day fishing trip in two and a half days. The biggest fish weighed was four pounds. So we say we've been scammed. Yeah. Let's go down and see what the girls look like. and have a few. <laughs> this was 1976. Yeah. So we go down there and, and the girls liked it. They, they fell in love with us American boys. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So we had a few more cocktails than we should have. And we stumbled back to camp the next day, just to really just to kill the rest of the time. Cause we thought we got, got a wild goose chase and me and a friend of mine named Jim Bob. Jim and Bob, real, you know, anybody named Jim Bob's going to be a great friend. Yeah, we've, been fishing, <laughs> we, we've been fishing together for 50 years now, but yeah. he is, uh, he's a real, I'm a kind of a drugstore redneck. He's a card carrying redneck. Yeah. <laughs> and we were sitting in the boat together in an aluminum boat with a guy. It was kind of iconic because the, the, Fog was lifting off of the water, and we were sitting in it where, where two creeks came into Lake Yohoa, which is a mm. gorgeous, beautiful lake. And there was another friend of mine that was in a boat about 50 yards away, and it was dead calm, David. And I said out loud, I wish I could get a bite, get my line broken, something happened. And like I say, Kodak moment, I, I get a little tap-tap on my rod, I reeled down to set the hook and I set the hook and the rod broke in two. Oh, geez. I was using a Shakespeare seven foot popping rod that we use for trout and redfish. Mm -hmm. And my line, my rod broke. I'm shocked. And the guy in the other boat threw over where I was casting and caught an 11 pound, six ounce bass, which I had in 1976. In Texas, there were no big fish. If you caught an eight-pound fish in Texas in the seventies, you got your picture in the newspaper. Yeah, you're a legend. <laughs> it was. It was. It, they were, now these fish were imported from Florida in 1954. But yep. then I, uh, then Jim Bob threw out, and it sounded like a 22 going off. His line popped. Oh god! It went down like this, and the line popped. Yeah. <laughs> now, we didn't use drags back then. We used to get a pair of pliers and tighten the drag down. Yeah. Because our old saying is we can play with them once they're in the boat. So really? that was the deal. <laughs> so I got a rod. I got another rod. I didn't even have a line on the other rod. I didn't think I was going to catch anything. So I'm like this. I'm trying to get the line. I'm nervous. I can't get yeah, the yeah. line. <laughs> I get it out and I make a cast and I call it a 10 and a half pound bass. Oh my so goodness. So we sat there in about 40, my, 45 minute time and i caught we caught a stringer of bass seven bass that weighed 72 pounds and four ounces we killed them holy this, cow i'm telling you this is a different era mm -hmm. and uh things were so different we put these fish in a 72 quart ice chest the igloo mm -hmm. ice chest we put them on the air airline and took them home wow <laughs> and, and uh ironically we were having the dallas boat show and we were in the Dallas boat. So we saw, I saw skeeter boats, bass tracker boats. I saw a lot of fishing boats and I brought them to the boat show and people in Texas had never, ever seen bass that big. You know, people used to go to Florida and, and put a shiner on and, and catch a, a big fish in Florida back in mm -hmm. those days. But Texas didn't have any big fish. I mean, like I say, eight pounds was, was big. Yeah. So people, I was a star of the show. I'm asking. I'm answering questions and people are real curious about it. And a little light bulb went off in Larry's head. I said, I want to take people fishing to Honduras. Yeah. <laughs> so I started Walker's Bass Tours. Yeah. And, uh, and it was a little harder than I thought. It was a third world country. And I think it's a fourth world country now, but 
I still <laughs> love Honduras. It was very dear to me. Mm-hmm. So we started taking people to Honduras bass fishing, and that opened the door for international travel. I was the first guy to ever go to Cuba when they opened Cuba up in 1977. Jimmy Carter opened it up for tourism, and another outfitter from Texas named Dan Snow and I put together trips to Cuba. And then from Cuba, I found out about Peacock Bass in Venezuela. Yeah. I fell in love with Peacock Bass. I fall, I fall in love easy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very easy to fall in love with. So I just, you know, Peacock Bass, that was the new deal, man, when I found mm-hmm. Peacock Bass. But I still, I never lost my love for black bass. I mean, black bass yeah. is number one. And then from Venezuela, I ended up in Brazil. And then from Brazil, Colombia. And then from there, all over the world. I mean, that's where it all started. I'm, I've been into over 50 countries fishing, just fishing. And I've been very, I've been lucky. I get to go to some neat places, David. And I get to go with some neat guys. and. Uh, I've been very blessed. I'll be honest with you. I've been blessed. Yeah. That answered that next question on my, my list. I'm like, well, how many countries is, you know, I, I see the photos now and I, I know you get around, but you mentioned something I, that I always find, uh, or at least I always enjoy when I hearing, uh, when I hear, you know, it seems like some folks will set like this high bar, you know, I don't know, maybe if you jump up too quickly to catching these incredible fish, that uh, that maybe they find it hard to still enjoy the ones that are in the backyard, like like a, a bass. Well, uh, I got to be honest with you. I'm gonna be really honest with you. I don't I don't care about little fish. I really don't. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm just gonna be <laughs> up front with you. It's not that I'm a lead or elitist or anything. I've no, just no. Got, it's not that I got my goal set. I just in my head, I want to catch the biggest fish that swims in a lake and I don't want, I usually go to lakes that have big fish in them. Mm-hmm. Like say we can go down, there's no lakes in Mexico. You can go, you can catch 300 fish a day. I won't go. I don't care anything about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. A five pounder, the big, it just doesn't end. I'm talking about Larry Walker. I mean, for most people, they would, you know, they well, still, they want to go. You're, you I'm are, I deal all about big. The word I, big is what got me. You are, uh, you're speaking my language because I'm, and I don't have, you know, nowhere near the kind of fish that you've caught. But I mean, I, I admire what you do because that's what I aspire to. I'm, I've, I've always been the same ways. And even if I'm fishing for a, I don't know, a small species, I only want to catch the big one of yeah, those. That's what I want to do. That's what um, I want to do. And I can be perfectly content with speaking, you know, spinning, you know, like we mentioned before we started recording, like an alligator gar. Me and my brother, we would go out and grind for five days, sleeping on the river, being severely dehydrated, going through storms and absolute hell. But if I got one big one, that's all I want. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I trust me. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I mean, I respect the folks, uh, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are like, they're species hunters. They like, they, yeah. they want to have like uh, as many species to their name as possible. And a lot of that is like, you know, micro fishing. And I don't, I don't know for yeah. me, that's, it's just, it doesn't speak to me, but, uh, but I'm, I'm the same way with the big fish thing. I think my, you know, journey is maybe only just now beginning. I've never been out of the country ever but I'm actually scheduled for my first international trip in September. 
But I look at your page as like fuel or like motivation or like, and, and I can't wait to get the book. And I want to talk about the book soon yeah. because, you know, I, I admire that type of, I don't know, the adventurous spirit. Um, but I guess I'd be curious, like when, when you've made these rounds, is there any particular location or species that is most near and dear to your heart? <laughs> David, everybody <laughs> asks me that question. <laughs> I know it's and a hard I one. I, I can't answer it because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, I fall every time I go to a new location and catch a new species. That's my new favorite thing. That's, yeah, I yeah. love that fish. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm so, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. It's not, it's, it's the fish, but it's not the fish. I get to mm -hmm. go to rainforests and see animals and birds and plants. And, and I'm a, I'm a nature lover. I mean, I really love nature. I mean, I, I love birds and butterflies and the and the whole gambit and the people. Yeah, I have made so many people friends around the world that I would have never had the chance to meet if it wasn't for fishing. And, and uh, fishing been very. I'm I'm addicted to it, and it's, it's been very. It's the biggest part of my life, other than my family. Fishing, very very big in my life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The adventurous side of it. I, I I'm the same way. I I know every time I go fishing, I'm very much like. You know, I guess it's debatable if if I'm the distracted one, but I'm I'm the type of guy like I'm I'm looking around like I don't want to miss things, but uh Me I'll say, you you, you have got now I know this is sort of random, but you've probably got one of the most like badass photos that I've seen and it's 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 not even a fish photo. It's a uh, and I think I'm assuming it's you in the picture, but there's this photo you have where you're sitting. It looks like in a wooden dugout canoe, slumped over, looking down in a raincoat, in this torrential, <laughs> like 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 biblical proportion downpour. And I'm just like, that is a grind. Like that is a war. Like I don't know what you caught on the other end of that trip, but that I mean, was, I let me I tell you about that photo. Wow. <laughs> that's that's an iconic photo. You're right. A, a friend of mine sent me that uh, sent me that picture. I didn't know who that was. That's me in the boat. He yeah. took the picture. I didn't know it. <laughs> we were in what we call in Texas. We This was in Columbia. We mm. were in a frog strangler. I mean, it was <laughs> pouring down. And and I I happened to have a high-dollar Sims raincoat on mm -hmm. that the zipper was broken. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and and I I was you ever been miserable cold rainforest deal? And David, we caught so many fish; it was incredible. Mm -hmm. We went to a lagoon that we had to walk three and a half miles to uh. this lagoon through a real. I'm talking about a real jungle. This is no trail in the in the Indians or the natives. We're carrying mm -hmm. the outboard motors on their shoulders, the 15 horsepower motor, which is pretty heavy. And we went to another sidebar was we spent the night in an old cocaine factory in in uh, <laughs> in uh, in Columbia. It was of course it was deserted, but yeah. that's where we 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 spent the night. And uh, golly, it was just a beautiful trip. I, it's talking about species. We caught a lot of different species on that trip. It was talk about uh, five star numbers. lodging and accommodations. <laughs> no, well, it, that the food was good on that one. I had been on some really rugged, rugged trips, rugged trips. So. And I I like being off the beaten path. I, I, yeah. I, I'm not mad at, at the good lodge, too, where they drank uh, 
uh, margaritas at the at the end of the day. But you know, I, I like the I like off the beaten path. It's yeah. always David. It's always the next valley over. I want to go to the next river system over there where nobody's been, and I'm trying to. That's what I try to do. I like to say I'm very driven. You know, there's a few places, I guess, specific to like the Amazon or, or South America, where it's like, for me, the allure is the fact that it's off the beaten path. So I know in, in my time where I've like researched, like maybe some, some outfitters or some lodges or some, you know, different tour groups. And uh, I'll tell you, nothing turns me off more than when I see the photos of literally, it looks like, you know, a white tablecloth affair wine glasses and these like amazing cuisine i'm like that what i mean i guess it's nice but i'm like i don't know like i that's i i feel like you you go out there for a certain experience and like that is so unfitting of the territory so it's i don't know man that that one's not for me i i guess i could probably still do it but i would feel a little weird uh <laughs> yeah it's just that way you know ever every place is so different it's all kind of different and of course, I, I always tell everybody it's all about the fish. It's not all about the fish, but it is mm. all about the fish. Too. It's kind of a, a, a oxymoron. But the main thing I like to say, I'm so when we get to every every lodge I've ever been to, I'm the first guy on, in the water. I'm the first guy mm. to make a cast. I'm so nervous. Here I am, 77 years old. And I get so excited on every day. I'm going fishing tomorrow. I'm really, really excited about it. And it's yeah. a private lake up by Paris, Texas. But, you know, I'm I'm excited about it. I mean, it's just, and that's what drives me. If you don't have that drive. Right. And like I say, I'm telling you, when the guys I grew up with, and when they say, I'm not mad at them anymore, when they talk about fishing, I'm not mad at them. I say goodbye. Because you're, if, if you're not mad at them, it's over with. Yeah, you yeah. Got to be mad at them. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep going. Yeah, you got to have that fire. And I tell you, I have that fire. I've got. I, you might have saw my most recent bucket list. I want to catch a Nile. I mean, a Goliath tiger fish. Yeah, yeah. And I saw I that post. Yeah, a, yeah. And I want to see a, a catch a uh, a Neop, um, uh, Neapolitan raft. Or a Napoleon Rats, he said Neapolitan. And, Napoleon and, uh, and what was the other one? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember uh, those oh, two. Yeah, I, I want to catch a golden monsoon, right? Yes, that's right. And to be honest, I've never been crazy about those because they don't get very big. But yeah. I'm, I want to do that because I want to go see India too. And I want to go to Nepal. I want to go see Kathmandu. I want to go to mm -hmm. the. I want to go to the uh, base camp for Mount Everest. I don't want to climb Mount Everest. I did climb. Mount Kilimanjaro, but I I want to go to Kathmandu. I like that name. Don't you like the name? Yeah, Kathmandu? yeah. <laughs> I can well, pronounce I, that. One. I uh, <laughs> I agree. The Golden Masseers seem like they're held on such a high. Like I mean, they're really a revered fish. It seems like, and especially in like the traveling freshwater giant fish mm -hmm. um, rings. And I always kind of thought the same thing. As it almost looks like a big fancy looking skinny barbel of some sort but uh the goonch catfish that live over there in the same rivers are more interesting to me but um well i like to catch one of those as well yeah. i've never been big on catfish for some reason and yeah, I kind of the same way yeah. i don't and i don't fish for sharks but i just went white shark fishing up in yeah oh i wanted to South talk about Carolina, that one too 
which was amazing. Golly, South Carolina. What I would not have thought South Carolina. That's interesting. But yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I guess the guy you went with, correct me if I'm wrong or, or enlighten me, He's he is the only one that is authorized to specifically target them, right? Is there like a science element tied into that where absolutely that's the, that's the whole deal he here's the deal he is so efficient at catching great white shark mm. and the sciences are not so they're <laughs> yeah. using him as the vehicle to get uh get information on great white sharks he's a fascinating guy he's unbelievable he's a he's a shark whisperer mm. and and everything's secret and i can't tell you all the secrets but it's the big thing. He didn't, I can't tell you where we went, what we used for this and yep. that. We did take the videos, but they were very limited. Right. And um, it, it, it's I tell you, that fish, David, you know, you've seen them on TV all your life and movies. I got to touch one and see it and oh, the big black eyes. To eye. look him he in the eyes. Monster. He was about nine and a half foot long. They said three and a half or 400 pounds. He gave a pretty good fight, but not spectacular. They don't jump. But just to see one, if I've been all over the world. I have never seen them. I've been to Australia yep. and all these countries that have them. I had never seen them. Well, believe it or not, true. you're actually the third person I've had on this podcast that's caught great whites. Um, I had a guy on here. His name's Spencer Wonder. Now, if you want to see somebody that's caught some fish that just defy all logic, like what? What he catches don't even make sense. Um, he's caught multiple, and he catches them from the short from land. Yeah. Um, but he's caught them up to sixteen feet long from yeah. from short. Granted, it's it's accidental, but you know he he does so much land based shark fishing. Um, but now that guy caught a uh, what was it? A Greenland shark or a Pacific sleeper wow. shark yeah. that was about sixteen feet long. From shore, that's his whole thing is he catches everything from land. And it's like, yeah, that one doesn't even make amazing. sense. That's a deep sea fish. Like that, those things live in like thousand feet of water eating whale carcasses. And, um, it is, but yeah, that you talk about, I mean, on a global scale of like the king of all Kings, like the, the, the ultimate predator in all of the water. I mean, unless you want to talk about whales, but we're talking fish here. I mean, I guess the great white sharks like the pinnacle, but I just I can't imagine the experience of being able to be because we all watch Shark Week, we all have seen yeah. Jaws, and like there's such a there's no more fish more engaging to the conscience or stimulating to the mind than the great white shark. So I just can't imagine that touching movie, touching way, one. Jaws, that movie Jaws has kept a lot of people out of the water. Yeah, it yeah. really has. <laughs> It really, honestly, but you know what, what the, this guy's name is Chip. Um, that's the, the guide on the great white shark. He told me that these fish are smart. They're not like a regular mm -hmm. shark. He said, they really smart. He said, sometimes you hook them, they run towards the boat and try to bite the line. Oh, that's interesting. And it's very, it's very interesting. And you know, a lot of, you know, you throw a lot of blood out and all that stuff. And that's not what he does. He does another technique, but he said the fish are very, very small. I, he did. He sent me a text when I got back. I also caught a tiger shark that day. Wasn't a giant one, about eight or nine foot. And then I caught a, a sandbar shark that was about 150 pounds. Those he are some said, scrappers there. Them, them sandbars yeah. are some scrappers. Yeah. They fight. He, they actually fought harder than the great mm -hmm. white, but. He said, he said, I guarantee you, 
you're the only human that's ever caught a great white, a tiger shark, and a gray shark in, in the same day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting. I, um, add that to my resume. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair bet. You know, I'm I'm actually a native to South Carolina, so that like okay. I know that like the coast of Hilton Head is where they get some uh, on the occasion these the real real like terrifyingly big tiger sharks. But uh, but the great white that's an interesting one. Now, you know, when I think great whites, I think like you know uh, Southern California or yeah. South South Africa or Australia, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing where they're starting to pop up lately. I mean, I know that they've been making the oh, news yeah, the lately. The water's getting warmer. The water's getting oh. warmer. And, and while we were out there, because we were anchored out, David, and uh, all of a sudden, here's some uh, mahi-mahi there. Hmm. And we caught four or five of them. I didn't think anything about them. They were only eight or ten pounds. He said, those are the first ones he's ever seen in 27 years where we were fishing. And he oh, did it yeah. all because of the water getting warmer. Mm. And uh, I don't want to get in that debate, but uh, sure. it, things, things are changing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it or not, things are changing. Well, interestingly, those uh, those sleeper sharks, as I mentioned before, just on that topic, you know, that's like an Arctic species of fish, or at least they had thought so. Yes. Um, and apparently it's the longest lived I don't know, animal in the world. Those things can live to be 600 years old. Yeah, I saw uh, 600 years old. Yeah, which is wild. And I guess one of those just recently popped up in the Gulf. Like, what is it? What are they doing down here? I don't know. They're down they, in they, Florida. They, they, so, they just call it great white in, in uh, Florida. Just, just shows we're always, I don't know, there's always more to learn. But, um, you know, scrolling through your page, I it's like you bounce between these, you know, great, oceanic creatures you talk about the napoleon wrasse and um it's funny a lot of people don't even know what those are i, I i'm familiar with the napoleon wrasse that's a wild big giant blue barn door looking i don't even know how to describe them it's like a i don't either I don't it's like either. a big blue goliath They're, grouper parrot fish thing that's exactly uh, what that's what yeah. I would, that's what i would call them the, i talked to yeah, a young guy I'm, I'm, I'm sorry i was in uh, french polynesia Mm -hmm. three weeks ago i believe and we were we really want to catch one we, and the guy i was with steve ryan who's an absolute steve goat. i know steve yeah steve is he he's 155 pounds <laughs> i i never seen a guy that was so he makes me look like a shallow water man he's really really good because he wants to catch one as well uh we caught some amazing fish it was a beautiful yeah. trip uh, they're a weird one. Like when I look at something like that, I would think that they're a deeper dwelling type of fish. But I, I had a guy on here actually. The, the episode hadn't come up. It, ironically, he's the youngest person I've had on the show, mm -hmm. seventeen. Um, and he he's fished and he's actually traveled all over the world at a young age. He's got a kind of an interesting story. But he had caught him, and he said that they caught him on poppers. They were popping and. In yeah, French Polynesia for GTs. I'm like, I would yeah. not have thought that. But uh very interesting fish. I can see why it's they on your bucket from list. New York, was he? Uh gosh, I don't know where he's originally from. I think he might be anyway, from I out west. When, when I was there in French Polynesia, I met a guy from New York who had caught one on the same trip we were on. He wasn't with us, but he had caught one. But yeah. It's a young uh, kid you named know, George they're, Hathaway. They're just, they're just kind of a, a iconic fish that Guys like me, you know, this, this traveling deal we keep talking about, there's a core group, not it's a core group mm -hmm. 
that actually the internet has really kind of got us together that we, I don't know how to explain. We're not trying to outdo each other, but it's, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's like we're all traveling to new different places, catching new and different species. And it's really interesting um, how the internet has really changed things up. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, you know what? I feel like that's one of like those great wild mysteries of the American angler is this type of fishing seems so commonplace for those guys over in the UK and mm-hmm. you know the European guys are just I don't know they they just sort of have taken over that scene and it's like why are more like Americans not doing this and Steve is like obviously you know he's always somewhere in that mix I've been following yeah. Steve for for years chit-chatting on often with him but I don't know I mean I wonder what your thoughts are on that like why are more Americans not doing that you're right it seems like such a small you know know, david a lot of them are brainwashed over danger you know like mexico Mm -hmm. right now they hear about four or five people getting kidnapped and i've i've been in mexico 200 times i've never had boo said said to me and i've been off the beaten path in mexico all over Mm -hmm. mexico and you know what mexicans say they say it's more dangerous than the United States. Right. Yeah. I live in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> hell, we kill 20 people a weekend over here in Dallas. Good point. Just for the hell of it. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it's all, it's all perception. I had that same perception when I go to some life that I hear bad rumors about, you know, you're you're looking over your shoulder a little bit. So. Well, it it's, also it's, seems like maybe, you know, and I've I've had the fortune of, of meeting um, and fishing with a couple of, of overseas guys, and it's, I don't know. It's like a interesting mentality differences. It seems like a lot of American anglers are standoffish about meeting, you know, meeting other anglers. You know, you they they don't want to share information. They don't want to talk to another fisherman. And I know you've kind of alluded to the value in meeting new people and 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 networking. Granted, you can't just be an open book with everybody, maybe, but uh, yeah. but uh, there's no more valuable, I don't know, tool in in progressing your own fishing than than meeting other diehards and picking their brains and oh just, I love it. Golly, I'm yeah. just like just like Steve Ryan. I have a lot of people that I have met that I'm you know, I'm so interested where they've been and what they call and how they catch them. And you know, it's just it's just a big uh it's a it's a merry go round to be honest with you because you can never catch up. Every everything's different. And like I said we had we had put money up to go to Russia the the political situation we were going to go catch mm-hmm. the giant timing over there or yeah. to catch. that got put off a long time ago i was going to uh to peru for the uh, for the uh saber tooth teeth what we call oh, the, the payara the payara yeah and i have caught plenty of them but the guy i ran into that you can catch one over 40 pounds in peru. oh my I said, gosh oh, man, going yeah, that's one of the few trips that I turned down for political reasons that I had a choice because they were kidnapping Americans at that time. But mm. you know, honestly, most of that stuff is so overblown; it's crazy. But maybe I'm maybe I'm too naive as well. I mean, when I get that fish in my brain, I'm yeah. going. I'm <laughs> going. Fish. You know, forget about safety and. Well, they say the same thing with the tiger fish. I, I know that you mentioned that being on your bucket list, and that's kind of like you know, anytime you bring it up, that's the first, the first uh, concern that gets thrown out is, well, is that you named the one fish 
I have been to the Congo mm. and I have fished for uh, Goliath tiger fish, but we had to cut our fish fishing trip close cause they, in the area where I was fishing Lake Tanganyika on the border, they kidnapped 13 uh, people the week I was down there and they actually pulled us out of the area where we were fishing. Oh, so geez. it's not all, it's not all milk and, uh, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. you don't want to be naive, of course, but um, but yeah. So I'm I'm targeting my first trip overseas. But I mean, there's there's so many guys like myself in the position I'm in that are like still in that dream phase where it's like you're you're you want to. And I know we all feed off of guys like you, guys like Steve. Um, and you know you could just be enjoying that on your own and never sharing it. But uh, you've gone so far, and I mean, especially a guy like you who has the life experiences you have. You know, you'd be selfish to not write a book. But I do want to talk a little bit about the book. It's I guess this would be a spoiler alert for me because I'm mine's mine's not in my mailbox yet. I was upset to yeah, see it wasn't in my I mailbox yet. But tell me a little bit about that. At what point did you decide, you know what, I, I want to start putting some of this stuff down on paper. I, I want to dive down the book rabbit hole because that's a whole other beast, isn't it? It really is, especially for me. I uh, I would never dream that Larry Walker would be writing a book about anything, <laughs> but I was thinking and I've had so many conversations and I keep notes. I'm, I'm a note keeper. And, um, I said, I was going to do it for my kids. This to show them all the things I've done. And I've taken a lot of my kids with me. I've, mm-hmm. I've taken them to Africa and, all over the place as well, but a lot of places they didn't go. And I was trying to document all the things I've done. It's not just fishing. It's what happens during the fishing, uh, going there and the people you meet and the snakes and the crocodiles. And the, you know, I call it anaconda on the lure. I've called crocodiles yeah. on the lure. And, I, and it, it's just all the experiences. And if you can see behind me, Yes, I collect pre-Columbian art that I've collected in Honduras, and in Mexico and Peru, and I, a lot of it I've dug up myself. It's all I didn't go there to get the pre-Columbian stuff. I went there fishing, and that was this part of the deal, part of the adventure. And I've got very interested in the in that part of the deal too. And and I, if I can show you my room, I've got twenty or thirty African masks. Yeah, my headdresses. I got stuff <laughs> that you don't buy at the souvenir shop. I'd be scared of some of that stuff. You don't hear drums at night, do you? <laughs> I've got your, <laughs> I got a, I bought a drum the other day from an Indian. I'm about to get stuff from the natives. Yeah, you know, I've got arrowheads and teeth, and I'm a pack rat. I like all yeah. I got fishing, unusual fishing stuff, and uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I just. This savored my time on the on the water and the time I get to travel so much. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a few of your posts where you sort of show like I wouldn't even call it a man cave; it's like a man kingdom, <laughs> like a whole wing of the house. I'm like, oh my it's, god, it's, it's, it's different. <laughs> you run totally squirt. out of wall space with the with the mounted fish you've got. I'm like, well, well I, I, mean, I had the luxury of I had my marina and I had a restaurant that held 600 people. And it was Larry's Museum. I had 43 mounts that I had on the wall there. Mm-hmm. I sold it, not this February, last February, to a big corporation. And they let me keep my fish. Now they said they don't want them. And now I've had to put them. I've never had a fish <laughs> in my house. Now I've got fish in my house. 
I've got my 1146 pound black marlin. It was 14 foot nine inches. I had a wall, one wall that was 15 feet that I got to put it on, and some other smaller species I'm I'm putting in one room or so. I can't get rid of them. What am I going to do with them? They're part of my life. Actually, I mean, some of that I looks like you had to give a damn about it, but. Some of that but, looks like you had to cut a hole in the roof and lower it in with a crane. like. <laughs> but I tell you, though, David, fishing has come at a cost as well, not only financially. I used to, when I didn't didn't have the means to go fishing, I would rob Peter to pay Paul. If somebody said, let's go fishing in Mexico, I'm going. I'm going yeah. fishing. If I didn't have the money, I'm still going. There's yeah. some way I <laughs> Now I'm, I have I do have the luxury of being able to travel about anywhere I want to, but but one of my points is I've been married five times, and there's not many women can put up with a traveling fisherman. You got to have a special mentality, mm-hmm. and you know when I get married, they all say, "Oh yeah, I'll go fishing," not for a month. They don't like it, right? Yeah, <laughs> they go for a long time. They say they do in the beginning, but it. I won't say fish, fishing ended the the marriages, but it, it had an impact on them. Mm-hmm. So I got yeah. a good one this time. I'm going to keep. Them. Yeah, <laughs> I got that. It's I guess um, you know I had sort of uh, wrote down like you know what has kept you motivated this long, but it seems like you have absolutely not lost any step and motivation wise. Like I can I can hear it <laughs> bursting out of your ears. Um, the fact that it's that it's kept going but i guess the other thing i had asked is uh you know obviously you've been doing it for a long time i don't know what you got to have some kind of keys for me here for like longevity if you could give anybody advice for like longevity well, in this well, whole thing you, i'll tell you what's going on my, my mother is 99 years old she's still blonde-headed she drives a red jaguar convertible <laughs> she's got a memory like an elephant <laughs> and 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 she never sits down. I can't sit down. I know when I was growing up, they call it you were just nervous. But I know I'm ADD, and uh, and and I can't sit still. And I'm busy all the time. I got to be doing something all the time. And yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it. It really does. Yeah, yeah. Now they want to put people on medication who want to who want to <laughs> like be have an act. It's just ridiculous. But um, yeah, so I guess. Um, you know, one question I get is like, you know, I look at your photo where, you know, you're holding maybe a golden Dorado in, and presumably that was Argentina. I know you've been to Argentina several times. Yeah. And then uh, the black marlin, it's like you're bouncing between ocean and uh, fresh salt water, fresh water. Uh-huh. I don't know. Can you kind of compare the two? I mean, what do you get out of fresh water no, that you it, don't get out of salt water and vice versa? Well, you know, there's a lot of people only do fresh water. Yep. Some people only do salt water. I used to have a saying, I don't say it anymore. I like fresh water, salt water, and scotch and water. But yeah. I cut scotch and water. I don't <laughs> drink anymore. I've been yeah. drinking a few years. Besides on my birthday, I drank them. But I, I don't know. Is this the adventure, David, of getting out on the ocean? I've never been seasick in my whole life. I love the water so much. I mean, it it's hardly, it's never too rough for me. And I, I push the limit on that as well. I don't, I just, I'm, I, I like both of them and I like, you know, and I, I do not like one better than the other one. I will, I am partial to black bass fishing 
because I grew up in the business. We had a tackle store like that for 46 years and, and we sold tackle and I grew up in the bass fishing industry really actually. Yeah. But I like it all. I mean, I just, I love it all. You, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a statement that I'm going to get a lot of feedback on um, <laughs> is that I've never been interested in fly fishing. It does, it does not interest me. And I make it, this is a joke. And I have so many friends that are fly fishing. <laughs> crazy. I used to say the only thing I dislike more than fly fishing is fly fishermen. But that's a joke. Now, don't, don't shoot me. But I, I don't enjoy fly fishing. I do fly fish when I have to. A lot of places I go to, when I went to Russia, you're only fly fishing only. Mm. And I've been, I do fly fish, but I don't enjoy it like I do uh, bait casting or spinning or, or other types of fishing. I just, I feel like I have more control. But that's just my opinion. We all have our opinions. And sure. I speak to my best friends that we agree on. Every, not everything we never and nobody ever agrees on everything your, your so best the best that. friends i have are the ones i talk the most shit to so <laughs> this is how that works like you can't be too friendly then it starts to get weird got a yeah. rib on each other every now and then but no uh, i don't do a great deal of fly fishing myself in fact right now i don't even own a fly setup at all doesn't yeah. mean i wouldn't like to maybe play around with it but for me it would only be i don't know it'd be playing but i'm a, kind of the it, same it, way it's, it's you know what I got one of my best friends. He holds like 21 world records. And uh, we went down in Columbia on a trip and he broke two rods and the lines wrapped around him. And I'm yeah. catching fish like crazy. Golly, I caught so many fish and he can't get the, were three people in the boat. That was a handicap for him. I mm-hmm. said, why do you like this? He said, I don't know. I grew up fly fishing and I just like fly fish. But I, I'm, I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying it's not for me. I just, I don't, if, if I had to fish for fly rod, I would, but it's not my preference. Let me put it to you that way. Kind yeah. of sugarcoated a little bit. I'll do it from time to time. I, uh, you know, when I was coming up and my, my granddad was a big fly fisherman and he pretty much like demanded it of us. Like when we came to visit him, he, he'd lay out the paper plates and the cups out in the yard and, mm-hmm. Force us to practice our fly cast. So I get a little bit of a sentimental value out of it, I guess, if nothing else. But uh, but on the other thing, you mentioned not getting seasick. I can't say the same. I get horribly, horribly seasick. Uh-oh. I don't know what it is. I don't know Uh-oh. if it's a genetic thing. And it scares me because I, I've got so many trips I want to do that I'm like, Ugh. well, I, you know, what if I well, can't? Well, I'm going I'm to tell I, you just... If you have that in your mind, you'll never get it out. No. You, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to put you on a bad deal, but I know so many people, they're seasick before they ever get in the boat mentally. So it's got to be anyway, a weakness. Either, you know, uh, uh, by the way, Johnny Morris that owns Bass Pro Shop, he gets seasick too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm at, I'm at peace with it. I'm just like, you know, I've gone out in the ocean a few times and I just pretty much accepted, like, you know what? I'm going to be chumming. At yeah. the same time, but you know, you don't want to be that guy on the boat either. You know, now yeah. you're going to be the subject of all the jokes. So I'm like, damn. Well, that's that's true. There's something to that. I don't know. I've got it in my mind. I'm just so focused on fishing. I don't even think about mm-hmm. the motion on the bill. But I mean, like they were all different. They were all, yeah. all different lines. Well, maybe I can take some yoga classes and <laughs> find <laughs> my inner, yeah, find my inner chi, but it's, uh, 
It's and it's so bad. Like in like it's so much worse than what people tell you. So I'm like, good God, this is awful. So who knows? Doesn't mean I'll never go to the ocean again, but it's just that <laughs> hump I'm gonna hump I'm gonna have to get over. But uh but uh yeah, I love looking at your stuff. I love the sense of humor that you tie into everything too. It's not it's not all like I mean, I know it's strict I know it's all business to catch the fish, but you find time to 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 make jokes, it was the uh, the rock climbing video you posted a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I got the that was there. great. I pull a lot of people. It fooled I... me with it at first. I'm like, "There's no way this guy does it all. He's Superman." I'm like, "He's out here rock climbing." And I'm like, "Oh, damn, he got me." David, I like to have fun. I, I, I I'm not saying I'm a trickster, but oh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm I like to be off the wall sometimes. I, some people are way too serious about all this stuff. I'm serious about fishing, but I like to have a good time. Yeah, that's great. But um, yeah, your your travel stuff, I can't get enough of it. And you know, I know that you'd helped me in the past when I was doing a little article I was writing with with the paddlefish. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you l- lended me some photos. I appreciate that. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of on the cusp of just starting. My own, like for me, I think if I travel, it'll probably be a once a year thing. Just, just where I'm at, my my financial state yeah. will probably limit me. But um, I'm I'm booked for a trip to Guyana in September, which is one that I'm gonna love it. You're gonna yeah. absolutely love it. It's that, uh, unbelievable. That uh, that's uh, I I mean I I draw my interest back to that when I was a little bitty kid, like little kid. I I I I will go so far as to say I am shameless in saying. I think if I catch like an arapaima, I might cry. No, but well, they're, anyway, <laughs> they're, they're unbelievable fish. I mean, I've caught, I've caught several of them on the trip I went. You mm-hmm. know, but we caught so many other fish. Golly, David, what are, you're going to a paradise. Yeah, you're going to a great place. And I, I know I told you this before. They speak English. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. That, that, that's nice. It's the bonus yeah. <laughs> when you, you go to the place. In South America, in English is their number one language. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like it's a small thing, but what it makes is you can actually talk to them. Right. You can talk to them and ask them questions. You know, I do not, uh, unfortunately, I don't speak Spanish. One of my regrets in life, I, I want to talk and have a con. I don't want to say, yeah. you know, Coca-Cola, hook, you know, and talking in, in words. I want to make sentences and, in uh, Guyana, you, you're going to have you're going to have a great trip. Yeah, yeah, I'm and looking I, forward. I, I'm sorry. No, I was I was just saying I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, mm-hmm. but you know I I don't I'm not necessarily well. My wife would agree with this. I'm not. I've never been the best like planner. I've never been. I've, I'm probably more your speed where I a lot of times I just cannonball into opportunities. But still, it's like it does seem like an undertaking, especially and that's just you know there's there's much more probably difficult trips out there. But I am curious just to pick your brain on things. I mean, you're you're so well traveled. Do you have a process for like for planning these things? Because to me, I'm like, Absolutely I don't know what I'm Absolutely not. I'm the yeah. most unorganized guy. <laughs> Ironically, now that you mentioned this, I'm going to I'm going back to Lazona for the Golden Dorado with Jimmy Houston on April the fifth, and I have been absolutely sitting at our table, dining room table, putting hooks on lures. And I mean, I am so organized for this trip. It's crazy. Yeah. I hope they're biting what I'm taking, but it is the, that's my number one freshwater fish too, by the way, to go in Dorado. Okay. And it's a, it's an amazing fish. I mean, 
that's that ought to be on everybody's bucket uh, I guess the obligatory question follow-up question to that would be why like you know why why those I mean I can see why but I'm just curious like well why. Here, here here's the deal of course I told you I fall in love with every fish I catch but um peacock bass were mine I'm talking about freshwater they're they're aggressive and they jump mm-hmm. you got monkeys and the parrots and the, it's just yeah. the whole atmosphere <laughs> is just wonderful but you don't have that for where we're going for the uh for the golden dorado but david you're throwing a lure out and when they hit it they'll jerk your arm out of your socket and you gotta hold on we're using look 85 pound i mean 80 to 100 pound braided line with a 150 to 200 pound mono leader Mm -hmm. I'm changing hooks on every lure I have till they'll straighten them out. They yeah. straighten out your your uh, your split ring. I had an interesting thing come up. I took a, one of my redneck friends down to Argentina for the Golden Dorado, and we're catching the hell out of them. I mean, they're biting. They jump and they're yeah. beautiful. They got teeth and they yeah. they fight <laughs> all the way up to the boat. And there's no giving up to them. And a friend of mine who caught a lot of big peacock bass and a lot of big black bass he put the rod down he said larry why do you want to catch these they pull too hard yeah. I said, that's the reason i want to yeah. catch them because pull, pull too hard I mean, <laughs> it's nothing easy about them to be honest with you they're 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 unbelievable fish it's a wild looking fish too <clears throat> That head, like they're bu- every time I see a photo of one, it almost looks like it's been edited. Like it looks like they have such a weird shape where it's like I don't know all their features are the head on them. I just can't get. Oh, I just saw a cameo. I just saw I just saw a wet nose into yeah, the screen. Right. I have a burning <laughs> mountain dog, and he won't. Oh, I love those. Alone, okay, and I won't leave him alone either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we always, we gotta love our animals. We gotta love oh, our dogs. Um, and I, I, that's another thing. I find a dog every trip I go to. I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in Polynesia. There's I got three dogs at my doorstep every morning. <laughs> when I was in Mexico, when I was in, uh, I did not have one in Guyana. That's the one place I did. But I mean, I'm envious of you going. That's a, that's a great. I'd like to do that trip again. It was great. Yeah. That's funny. The dogs always know who to go to. There's like a <laughs> spiritual bond that. that takes place. I'm the same way. I got I got my two beloved German shepherds. Yeah. Uh, they can be a pain in the ass, but they but, are. They man. are definitely a pain in the ass. Yeah, mine's. <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't take for them. Mine's uh, mine's well, my my older dog's the first dog I ever had. Back when I was still doing police work, it was like my my little German Shepherd, and he's been there for the birth of both of my kids and through all the moves. So now he's nine, so it's like getting to that age where I don't know, you get like super sentimental about him. But I don't want to hijack the f- conversation about fish and turn it into the dog podcast. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, those Dorado. Um, I don't know. My list of things I want to catch is so long, but you know, you got to take it step-by-step step. um is there anything you've caught that is probably not on somebody's like like wave or uh, i don't know radar that should be like one that's like wow i'd have never thought about this as a fish to to send people uh, after you know you know you had quizzed me about the spoonbill and they're mm-hmm. such an interesting fish oh for sure and you, you know they don't bite you right kids that you snag them and there again was the live scope Yep, and uh, and they they jump, 
but they're so freaky looking when you bring them out. They got little bitty eyes. Yeah. They got this gigantic, weird uh, gill plate cover in their plankton eaters. <clears throat> and they got this big, long spoonbill looking thing on them. And uh, they're soft. They got, they don't have any scales. They're, they're, they're actually kin to a sturgeon. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I caught a golly, I caught a 116 pounder up in Oklahoma, up at uh, what, uh, Keystone Lake. Okay. I caught, I caught quite a few of them. I've been up there twice. Um, I, I don't think I would do it on a day-to-day basis, but they're so unusual. And um, and they jump. I like fish that jump. Mm-hmm. Fish, if, you, if fish jump, they go up on my up on my. Deal. I like jumping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a soft spot in my heart for like the prehistoric fish, like the ones that survived. I don't know, just from like. You know, because they kind of fall, obviously fall into that category of prehistoric fish, but I've always looked at with a little bit more admiration to the fish that are like tried and tested and like battle hardened. Like any fish that's been around that long, it's like, okay, that's like, that's what I want on the end of my line. So that's always what drew me to like alligator gar and to the sturgeon. I'm you gonna got go one do. in Florida, you got mudfish. They're very, uh, they're, they, you uh, know what? That is my favorite species. And I get people. I get the weirdest looks from people. Like people don't like them. That is my all time. They, they, they pull. They. I love actually, them. They. They. They're actually. They look like they're akin to the golden dorado. Even they're not as mm-hmm. pretty as the golden dorado. But they got that armor uh, gill yep. plate deal. And I've caught quite a few of those in Florida. Yep. We have. I hadn't caught any lately in Texas, but uh, I used to catch them in, in Texas. I didn't, caught- I didn't target them. I caught yeah. them. I caught him in seven different states, and I don't know what it is about that fish. I mean, it was like that was like the one I kind of started fishing with when I was a kid, mm-hmm. so I get real sentimental about it. But yeah, but I love bowfin, and it's like people are like what? And I don't care where I fish from here until the day I die. That'll always be like the one that I don't know. I hold like near and dear to the heart. But um, and I and I actually had caught uh, a sturgeon in Florida, which not you a did? lot of people, oh, yeah, yeah, not a lot of people can say that. I'm like, I've seen photos of those. That's yeah. one I could beat my chest about. I'm like, ah, I know nobody's done this. Yeah. But um, but that was I dumb. I have never caught one. That was all like, dumb luck. I've caught the, the ones <laughs> in, in, the, in the rivers. Right? I was disappointed that it didn't, they didn't jump. I'm like, why not? You know, they jump. Hell, those, the Gulf sturgeon mm-hmm. jump for no reason. They're like in the rivers. That's mm-hmm. what they're famous for. They're breaching and jumping. And then you hook them, they don't jump at all. But. But, um, yeah, I've always loved the prehistoric fish. The spoonbill is one that I've seen people catch them right next to me. When I lived in Oklahoma, we'd see them, you know, I'd be gar fishing below dams for, you know, long nose gar or something. There's always the snaggers. We're always up at the dams like Grand Lake and, yeah. and Oolaga and some of those places. But it's a fascinating one. Maybe I'll find time to do that one. But, um, I don't know, the snagging thing, I think I could get past that. It's a little different. It's strange. No, I'll be honest with you. When you say snag, that kind of turns me on off i wasn't interested in it but uh i did it like i said i wouldn't want to do it every day we mm. didn't harm the fish yeah sure you know we're, we're using a barbless deal mm-hmm. i think people eat them i'm not for sure i don't eat fish I, i'm not a fisher i actually i don't either i i i will I, i'm not i'm a hypocrite because every once i'll eat a mahi mahi every once in a while and i do like sushi or sashimi tuna <laughs> um, I rarely eat fish. I was a, I had a commercial fishing business forever, and that really turned me off on fish. Yeah, 
I can see that. I worked in the food manufacturing industry for a while, and you know, you get you get a lot of that. I worked in poultry processing for a little while, and people are like, yeah, are you ever gonna eat chicken again? I'm like, hell yeah, I love chicken. <laughs> I don't care what I seen, but uh, but yeah, that's <laughs> it's funny. I do <laughs> like lobster. I was I had a lobster fishing. I had three boats that I had in Honduras. Uh, we were uh, catching the spiny lobster down there, and I love lobster. You can't get enough. You know, you go to a restaurant, you get a, a lobster about this big, yeah. two bites, and it's over. Yeah. You know, twenty five dollars. <laughs> so I I got on the boat, and I'm eating lobster every day. Guess what, David? I got sick of lobster. I didn't yeah. want to eat <laughs> right but now, I I like lobster again, so I'm eating lobster again. Yeah, I get a lot of funny looks from the people who don't fish, obviously, the people who don't don't fish, and then they see my stuff, and they're like, do you eat them? I'm like, nope. I spend all that money, buy all that gear, do all that travel to, to, to catch a fish and hold it in front of a camera and then let it go. And that's, that's my just, number one question. That's on just what Facebook, I do. You, you know, I'm a big Facebook. I love Facebook. Uh-huh. But everybody, did you eat them? Yeah. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't turn them loose. What did you do with it? Yeah. Yeah, my grandpa, they said, what'd you <laughs> My grandmother used to say every time, oh, my goodness, you turned them loose? Yeah. Why did you turn them loose, Larry? Yeah. She never could ever understand. She was fishing till she was 100 years old. She would go crappie fishing at the marina. We'd put a life jacket on her and, and give her a zip code, and she'd go out there crappie fishing on the dock. So yeah, I had my, fishing in my blood. Uh, my my granddad would curse me out when he saw me letting fish go. Was a, yeah, he's a kind of the same way. He was not happy if I was letting fish go. Yeah. We don't really, you know, I don't know, especially freshwater fish. I just don't really eat freshwater fish. So yeah. Occasionally do the saltwater thing, but. Yeah. Like I say, I'm, I'm kind of hypocritical because I do sometimes, but um, the other day we caught some Mae Mae down in Polynesia and uh, I brought it back to the restaurant for them to cook for everybody. And I couldn't eat it. I just could not eat it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I've eaten iguana, rattlesnake, armadillo, <laughs> everything you can ever dream of. I don't eat manna. I don't eat salad dressing. I'm yeah. a weird eater. Yeah. So. I'm probably the same way. I'm like, uh, you know, real into like fitness and stuff, but I'm like, I just can't eat well. I eat the nastiest food. I eat junk mm-hmm. food. I don't know. My eating habits gonna catch up to me one of these days i've just been lucky so far well i quit i I'll be honest with you, i quit yesterday no more junk food yeah that's right yeah <laughs> yesterday was it I, I, i've had all day today i told my wife <laughs> no more chocolate ice cream and no more m&ms <laughs> but i don't know how long it'll last we'll see all right <laughs> well <clears throat> you're always on the move and you're always catching all i mean you've done all these crazy trips and i know you got the bucket list, but what's on the agenda? I don't know for the rest of this year. Well, I'm like I'm going to Idaho next week for the uh, for the smallmouth bass. God, I want to I, I want to get into the elite deal of catching one that weighs mm. nine pounds. Oof. That would be that would be good. The guy I'm going with it caught one, and then I'm going to uh, the Argentina deal with uh, with Jimmy. Then I'm going back to Jurassic for the. Uh, the 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 rainbow trout i'm going back to argentina i like argentina yeah i'm going back for the king salmon next year we're going to go a little earlier and see if we can catch some bigger ones then i just signed up to go uh bluefin tuna fishing in nova scotia 
Ooh. I've done that quite a bit. I usually fish on the Prince Edward Island side, and that's an amazing animal, too. They're just so humongous. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And then I'm going to go back to Africa to do Blue Marlin and Cape Verde. And uh, I'm going back to Florida, your state, in February when the fish are spawning there for the bass. Yeah. Then in May, we're going out to Lake Havasu for the giant red air purse or brim. Mm. You know, they're gigantic. Out oh, there. yeah. And uh, uh, I didn't catch it. Huge. I caught one that weighed three pounds, 88, which I thought was huge. Right, yeah. <laughs> but my friend caught a 434. And the guide I'm going with this year we called a, a 595 and a 525 last year. Jeez. You know, you always put bass, crappie, perch. Now it's bass, perch, crappie. So that's that's the new that's the new deal. Yeah, those but get surprisingly I'm big. Someone calls me up and I'm and I'm available. I'm gone. Count, count me gone. Have you done the Nile perch one? That's one that's kind of an yes, interesting I one to me. I didn't do very well on those. I, I spent a month in the, it was amazing. Uh, I had a honeymoon and we were going to spend it together in Africa. And she decided she didn't want to go. So I went anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> on my honeymoon, I spent a month in Africa and I went Nile perch fishing. And I caught some up to about 15 pounds, which was very very small but i went on the zambezi river and we caught tiger fish and that's in the another oh yeah 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 uh yeah i had to ask about the nile perch one that was one that i kind of toyed with as maybe being the first trip that i do out but i didn't you know it's i thought i thought the risk of i don't want to say failure was greater and it's just one fish you know it's one species but uh but i'm gonna tell you that that's a hard one yeah. That's a hard one because they have commercial fishing so hard in Africa that they're they're the great big ones are almost non non existent. Yep. There is a guy that fishes uh at Murchison Falls and he caught mm -hmm. a few big ones. It's very, very unpredictable. Yeah, that's really. what I saw. It seems like Murchison Falls, you'll still see some numbers, but like closer to the falls, it looks like smaller ones. And I don't know, I've seen a few down river that looked okay, but that that but one seems intriguing. To, if you go to Africa, please do the tiger fish. Tiger fish, yeah. I mean, this is the this is a two in one trip because if you went on the on the Zambezi River, which I really recommend, is that you're on the sightseeing trip the whole time. You're floating down the Zambezi River. I'm throwing a lure at the feet of herds of elephants. Yeah, yeah. Here's hippos <laughs> over here. Here's here's water buffalo over here. Zebra on the shoreline. I mean, it's like a National Geographic trip. It's oh. so beautiful. Those hippos really, intimidate me. I've seen a lot of videos of them getting a little rowdy with the boats. Well, they are. They they are. The <laughs> natives are just terrified of them. And I guess I'm so naive about it. I wasn't so uh, – uh, I was on Lake Tanganyika, and when the natives came in from fishing, you wouldn't believe it. you think they were in the uh, the Olympics. When they get close to the shore, the, the uh, hippos were hanging out there. And it looked like, I mean, really and truly, they, they, they're petrified of them. They're petrified. Mm. I guess probably I could, for a good reason. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. I know they're, well, I guess they, apparently they kill more people each year than any other animal in Africa, unless you count, you know, bugs, mosquitoes or something. But Well, mosquitoes, of course, is the number one killer. Yeah, but, but, you know. But the hippos are bad. They're, they're big. They're really big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know you see them at the zoo. I, I tell every, all my friends about traveling. If you're going to go anywhere, it, of course, fishing is always paramount. People need to go to Africa. What mm -hmm. a beautiful place. It's nothing. When you're seeing animals in the wild with no fences, or it's just amazing. It really is. It makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah. That's that's one I'd like to do. Africa, obviously. I, I'm really interested in the I think it's KwaZulu Natal, or I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's like the southern uh southeastern coastline. Very famous for some of the land based uh shark fishing and surf casting scene down there. They catch some wild stuff down there. They call it like the KZ yeah. KZN coastline. Yeah, they, they get they catch a lot of bull sharks there. They catch those uh they call them sandies. The big uh, guitar fish, those big giant giant oh, yeah. guitar fish. Yeah. That's yeah. an interesting one to me. But I don't know. So so much time or so many fish, so little time. Who knows? That's that one's. That's an interesting I one. I want to catch saltfish as well because y'all have them in Florida, but they're illegal to catch uh, the target the saltfish. Yeah, I, I I hooked two of them in Australia years ago when I foul hooked them. They were up on the sandbar. And I had a jack with them, so I threw a lure over because they were they were like twelve foot long. That I don't know. They seemed like they were hundred foot long when I saw. Them. Yeah, that's they, one of those things that every time I go shark fishing, you know, it's a little part in the back of your mind, sort of hoping you'll get to see them. But it's it's like that unicorn type of thing. Yeah, they're a but, unicorn. Uh, well, we have alligator guard in Florida too, and it's the same way. They're in only like select few small rivers, but I'm like, I really want to catch a Florida alligator gar but apparently it's illegal to even pursue them so i'm like who knows really huh. yeah it's kind of weird they're totally weird. protected all those exotic species there so. yeah no kidding but uh yeah the exotic thing down here i don't know that kind of plays out a little quick to me the the peacocks here anyway i mean they're kind of fun they just they get a little old I, when i first moved to florida i was all about it but i got a little burnout on that one pretty quick but um, anyway, well, you know, I, I have no interest in those in Florida. That's it's like a novel. You know, they don't. They, they just don't get big. And, nope. You know, a twelve pounder is the big one. And my, I just got a. I don't know if you can see it. I just got a. Uh, uh, one of I, my back. I saw the photo. Will that thing even fit in the frame? Yeah. I just, I just got it. Oh and, man, uh, that's awesome! Twenty three pounder, I call. <laughs> and the guy, the guy, the guy did the mount and. Uh, Columbia, mm -hmm. he's an absolute. He's not. He's not a taxidermist. I'd call him an artist. Artist, yeah. He's an artist. The replica and, uh, guys he, are phenomenal. Yeah, he he did a uh, a arapama for me that I caught in Guyana where you're going. Oh wow! And he did it from scratch, no mold. He did huh. it from scratch, and it came out perfect. And uh, I loaned it to a tackle shop over in Dallas, but. It probably the fish probably weighed two hundred and fifty pounds somewhere mm. in that neighborhood. You're gonna hey, you're gonna catch some big fish when you go to Guyana. Be ready. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I mean that's that's the one I've been waiting on. So I'm like, I might as well go with the top, the top trip first if yeah. I'm gonna go anywhere. But um, but anyway, um, I know I feel like I've kept you. I could probably talk to you for hours more. Well, we we can always talk after the fact. You know what I mean? But. Yeah. But um, but we've talked about your book, and I and I want to bring that up a little bit more. And I know that you've just kind of started getting into the YouTube thing, but like you've you've done so much amazing things, from minnows to marlin. Um, 
So I guess I want to make sure I'm directing people who are listening to this, like where they can go to see your stuff, where yeah. they can go to pick up the book, what your YouTube channel might be, anywhere that they can find your your stuff. Like how could people find the book? Yeah. What's the YouTube channel? How could they find anything else? Yeah. Well, the, the book is, is available on Amazon. I haven't pushed it. I've kind of mentioned it a little bit on Facebook, but I haven't said to go buy it. I've actually just hired a marketing team to do a launch. I'm hoping you can sell some books for me too. And then on the, on the YouTube deal, my son, I have a 37 year old son is another fishing. nut. He's completely <laughs> overboard with it too. He's got a new baby. It's kind of slowing down, but he's helping me. As I told you before we started doing this show, I'm technically handicapped. <laughs> I can do email and Facebook and that's about it, but we're doing this YouTube deal and it's a learning experience for, it. but you know, honestly, I hope people subscribe to it and see it, but honestly, I'm trying to, I like for people to see what I get to do. Mm -hmm. David, it's amazing. I mean, eight pound smallmouth bass, 23 pound rainbow trout, king salmon, Dorado, black bass. I mean, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I'm really, really blessed. And I still have, I can still jump in and out of a boat at 77. I feel good. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It might change tomorrow. I see a lot of my friends, my age, they're not doing so good. And I feel very blessed. I, uh, I hope it keeps on going. Of course, that my last sentence in my book is, I want to catch a marlin when I'm 100 years old. And I back it up by saying, I hope there's still a marlin when I get a because the world changes. Well, world. it's funny because like I feel like every stressful encounter I have with a fish, I always kind of wonder, am I adding years to my life or am I taking yeah. years off? But uh, maybe you're a testament to the fact that getting out and, and doing some adventure and, and doing these kind of hard trips uh, is the key to... I don't know. You got to have a fulfilling life. And so it's probably adding fuel to the tank. Um, so for sure, I think I, I agree. More people need to see this stuff. I'm blown away by the stuff I see on your page. It's, it's insane. Yeah, well, and then just, so and the fact that you're not stopping, like it's like, it's just the consistency. Oh, yeah. David, I can't stop. I couldn't stop if I wanted to. It's, it's, kill me to stop. it's, it's nuts. But my wife, my, my wife, Shelly is so, she's so, uh, she didn't say no. She did tell me that, to be honest with you, about a month ago, she said, I would like to see you a little bit more often. That was the first hint she said about yeah. me wearing my welcome mat. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, I, 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 um, I don't know. I see a lot of guys. I mean, fish are commit. I mean, anglers can do whatever they want, but I do kind of sometimes watch other guys that I know who fish settle. I don't want to say they settle, but it's like, you know, that's, they don't even recognize the, the, like what lies on the other side, like, or the whole, the full potential that the fishing world has that transcends beyond a five pound bass, a yeah. 10 pound, I don't know, whatever. Um, but you, you have showcased, I don't know that, that very wide spectrum of, uh, of what anglers can do if they just have a little mm -hmm. bit of ambition and an adventurous spirit. And I love the fact that, you don't make it sound like it's something nobody can do. You're like, hell, yeah. even when I didn't have money and I wanted to go, I made it happen. And I, I think made that's it a... happen. I really did. I, yep. I, I, I surprised myself. I, 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 I go, 
I go, I can't say no. If you call me right now, tomorrow and I didn't have anything to go, do, I'd be down in Florida. <laughs> if you, if you yeah. had something going on, I'd be down. I can't say no. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot say no. I don't want to say no. I don't even like no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can offer anything. I don't know if I personally can offer you anything that, 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 meets your standards uh i do a little bit uh, of the land the land-based goliath thing you might enjoy that now catching a goliath grouper from shore that's that's fun oh that and, would be that would be and, cool and, and i really i cool. i do understand that game um uh, uh-huh. pretty good but uh you know who knows if you're ever crossing through my neighborhood and uh and you mentioned not being tech savvy that's probably a good thing <laughs> you, you can get poisoned by this whole i try to not do it i dabble in it a little bit but you you, you just i don't know the the computer and the social media and the, even the youtube thing it's like ah it's like a double-edged sword it's like you need it for marketing you yeah. need it for information sharing but you can get so sucked into it that i don't know it's like it takes away the time from fishing it's like counterproductive well it does you, you're right so. about that exactly you know what and i in my travels there's nowhere I go that they don't have a cell phone. I'm in Africa. The little kids are running around Africa with a cell phone. Oh, that's I'm weird. Kids got them. I'm talking about everywhere I go, people got cell phones. It's, it's changed the world. It made it smaller, maybe too small sometimes. But anyway, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Double-edged sword there. It's like you need it to be able to, to learn, but you, you get sucked into it and, you get stuck dreaming. I, I don't want to watch other people do my dream trips. Yeah. I, w- I want to go do them, but I do like, Absolutely. and I really appreciate yeah. guys like you, especially willing to share the stories through book, through podcast conversation, through your YouTube channel, through your Facebook. Um, man, I, I could talk to you for hours, uh, yeah. but I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to hold you up. Um, but anyway, Larry, I appreciate your time. Yeah, uh, thank you, David. You're 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 probably one of the most motivating guys that I that I watch. <laughs> I enjoy seeing his tell Jimmy Houston I'm a fan. Tell him little old David Graham said hello. Yeah, uh <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just called him while ago. He yeah. where he's pumped up on this uh, Argentina trip. He gets pumped up pretty easy too. Well, right? he, he he ain't slowing down either. That's awesome. That's the no, that's, he's, not. he's older than me. He's seventy nine, I think. Uh, well, I I can only hope he gets around good. I, I can only hope and pray that I'll be doing the same when 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 I get to that uh, level. But Larry, I, I I appreciate your time. I look forward to seeing the next adventures and the photos that you post. Big big fan, and uh, man, I couldn't be more appreciative of you taking time to talk to well, me. Thank you, David. Thank you, sir. I appreciate. Yes, sir. For sure. All right, Larry. We'll we'll be in touch. Let's go fish. Let's do it. (laughs) We can plan something. All right. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Boundless Pursuit Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, your feedback, comments, and reviews are very important to me. Also, this podcast is just one element to a much bigger content outlet. I urge you to head over to www.haverodswilltravel.com where you'll find audio, visual, and written editorial content. That is three dimensions of awesome fishing content brought to you by a very dynamic team of anglers. I hope that you'll tune in next week as we continue to build this program and have interesting and skilled anglers each Thursday. Thank you for listening.